everyone, this is Amy Hill. Thanks for tuning in to Amy on the Hill, a podcast born out of Jesus' teaching in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, which says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. This is Amy. I'm so glad to be back with you this week. As we get started, as we do each week, let's take a moment and prepare our hearts for whatever it is God wants to do here in our time together. I may have mentioned this on a previous episode of this podcast, and I want to mention it again now. I stop to pray at the beginning of each episode for several reasons. First, by praying, we take on a posture of humility before the Lord, which I believe is really good for our souls. If we're going to receive anything from God today, we've got to have open hands. That means we've got to let go of whatever we're holding on to in our own strength or for our own reasons or whatever. And we've got to come with empty hands, with open hands. Again, in order that we are able to receive whatever it is that God wants to give us. He might want to encourage us today. He might want to challenge us. He might want to convict us of something. I'm sure it's different for every one of us. So by humbling ourselves in prayer before God, hopefully that helps us let go of our agenda and it opens us up to receiving God's agenda for us. The second reason I stop to pray is because I believe I actually believe that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and it's effective. That isn't just an idea I made up. I'm drawing that concept from a verse in the book of James. We actually just read it this week, James chapter 5, verse 16. In the version I read this week, the English Standard Version, it says, The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. And as you know, none of us are righteous in ourselves. I'm certainly not righteous. But Jesus Christ's righteousness is imputed uh, to each one of us by grace through faith when we put our trust in Jesus Christ as the Lord of our lives. So our prayers actually change things. Our prayers are powerful and effective. Our prayers have great power as they are working. It's a mystery But it's true and it's exciting. So, of course, we want to pray. And finally, and this reason ties into and overlaps with the first two reasons I just gave uh, in a lot of ways. But the other reason we stop to pray is just to acknowledge before God and before each other that we can do nothing apart from God. Jesus was very clear with us in John chapter 15 that apart from him, we can do nothing. So it basically feels crazy to me not to pray. If I think my silly little podcast is going to have any kind of effect without sincerely asking the Lord to somehow use this according to his will, you know, so those are at least three reasons why we pray. Um, I'm sure there are others uh, that I'm not thinking of in the moment, but uh, prayer is obviously very important. So with that, please find a quiet space if you can. I know everybody kind of doing different things. You might be exercising or driving, but um, 
just mentally prepare yourself for a moment and uh, let's just enter into prayer. Dear Lord, we come to you in Jesus' name. We do want to ask that you would help us let go of whatever we're holding on to. Help us to have open hands so we're able to receive whatever it is you want to give us. Lord, you might want to encourage us today. You might want to just teach us something. You might want to use this time uh, just to keep us close. Maybe we won't even notice what you're up to today, but because we spent this time because we planted these seeds sometime in the future, we'll be prepared for something else you want to show us. We also know that by sticking close to you, we're not sticking close to other things. Maybe you're using this time to help us break some addictions, some habits that have taken over our lives to the degree that we don't have control over them anymore. I know that's such a problem um, for me a lot of times with social media and our phones and Netflix and everything else. Lord, please use this time to transform us by the renewal of our minds, as your word says in Romans chapter 12. We believe uh, our prayer is powerful and effective because your word says it is. We know we're not righteous in ourselves, but we are counted as righteous because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ our Lord. His righteousness is ours. His life is ours. His inheritance is ours. And we are just in awe of the gift that this is to us. So thank you so much, Lord God. Of course, we also want to pray that you would work through our reading and discussion of the Bible and the Crazy Love Book. I know I can't do anything apart from you, and I want to acknowledge that before you and before all of my brothers and sisters praying along with me. So please, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, I want to pray that you would do a divine work through this effort. You are the reason that we're all doing this, listening to this, reading along. Lord, you are the portion that we seek. You are the one we're after. So please, God, work among us. Have your way with us. We trust you and we love you. And again, it's in Jesus's name that we pray. Amen. Okay, so this week we read James chapter 5 out of the Bible and out of Francis Chan's book, Crazy Love, we read chapter 4, which was entitled Profile of the Lukewarm. And if you read it, uh, I doubt you'll disagree when I say this chapter was a doozy. And what I mean was this chapter was not a pat on the back. It was pretty convicting for me anyway. And so I'm guessing that uh, discussing it today is probably going to be somewhat uncomfortable for all of us in one way or another. So before we get started, I just want us to stop and consider three questions. These three questions were actually questions from the end of chapter three. We didn't get a chance to discuss these questions last week because I devoted most of our time last week to talk about the sudden passing of my friend Pete Aki. I just want to say I appreciate those of you who are praying for Pete's family, his wife, Allison, and their two sons, his parents and his sister and extended family and friends. You know, please continue to pray. Your prayers uh, for this family are so very appreciated. If you don't know what I'm referring to, of course, you can go back um, to last week's episode and get up to speed. Uh, but as we kick off into this week, I want us to prepare for our discussion by going back 
to those questions from our reading last week and considering our answers. If you want to look it up in the book, the questions I'm going to ask right now are from page 62. Okay, so question one. Do you believe that God is the greatest thing you can experience in the whole world? Do you believe that God is the greatest thing you can experience in the whole world? Okay, question two. Do you believe that the good news is not merely the forgiveness of your sins, the guarantee that you won't go to hell, or the promise of life in heaven? In other words, do you believe having a relationship with God is not just good news because it gives you assurance that you'll go to heaven? Do you believe there's more to it than that? Question three. God has blessed so many of us with so many good gifts. The question is this. Are we in love with God or just his stuff? Are we in love with God or just his stuff? What are your answer? What are your answers to these questions? Honestly, do you believe that God is the greatest thing you can experience in the whole world? Do you believe that the good news is not merely the forgiveness of your sins? or the guarantee that you won't go to hell, or the promise of life in heaven? And are we in love with God or just his stuff? What are your honest answers to these questions? What do you think Francis is getting at with these questions? It seems to me, underlying all of these questions is the question of what we're after. What are we seeking in a relationship with God? Do we just want to get to heaven? Do we just want to get the blessings, the good stuff that comes along with favor from God? Or are we after God himself? Do we really want to know and love God for who he is? Or are we trying to use God for something else? I think we all want to say We all want to say we're after God. We all want to say we're not just trying to get into heaven. We're not just after the blessings. We do want to know and love God for who he is. But I think uh, the chapter we we read this week challenges us on that. I mean, it challenged me. It challenged me. And it helped me to call into question whether I actually do want to know and love God uh, for who he is. And I thought it really also helped me just to see myself from all different angles. Profile of the lukewarm is the title of the chapter we read this week. The adjective Lukewarm as a description for a Christian is probably familiar to many of you, but for those of you who may be new to faith or new to Bible study, I wanted to read the verses from the Bible where this description, lukewarm, comes from. It's in the book of Revelation, and if you turn to Revelation chapter 1, you'll read that John was told by God, to write a message to seven churches, and beginning in chapter 2, each church was specifically addressed. In chapter 3 of Revelation, beginning with verse 14, the seventh church 
the church of Laodicea is addressed with these words. John wrote, And to the angel of the church in Laodicea, write, The words of the Amen, the faithful, and the true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire, so that you may be rich, and white garments, so that you may clothe yourselves, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne, as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the scripture says to the churches. That was Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 through 22 out of the English Standard Version. In the New International Version, verses 15 through 16 say, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. So just in case anyone was unfamiliar or was in need of a refresher, that is where this term lukewarm is found. And so this chapter, again entitled Profile of the Lukewarm, is about discerning whether we uh, have any lukewarm qualities. And without even getting into our discussion yet, uh, I can tell you that I do have some of these qualities, and chances are you have some of these lukewarm qualities too. And because especially as American Christians, we all seem to have at least some lukewarm qualities, the temptation is to grade ourselves on a curve or to minimize the discrepancies between what we say we believe and how we actually live. We'll often want to just blow it off like it's not that big a deal. Or or alternatively, we might want to get defensive or make rationalizations. Those are my uh, defense mechanisms anyway. But if we can, let's come to this without our comparisons or our list of reasons. Let's just receive whatever the Lord wants to communicate to us. We don't have to be defensive about it. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 12 says, For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. Likewise, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 16 says, For the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastises everyone he receives as a son. So when we experience the Lord's correction, when the Lord shows us areas in our lives he wants us to submit to him, areas he wants to refine in our lives, we are assured that God is showing us he loves us. 
Um, if we can never, you know, really identify any areas where God is growing us or changing us or correcting us, uh, we're conforming us into the likeness of Christ, then we have to wonder whether we're really in Christ. Uh, because just like a parent is, is going to correct their child because they love their child, God's going to correct us because uh, he loves us. In Psalm chapter 94, verse 12, it says, Blessed is the man whom you chasten, O Lord, and who you teach out of your law. We also just read that in Revelation chapter 3, verse 19, where it says, Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. Therefore, be earnest and repent. Francis opened this chapter with a quote that says, it's not scientific doubt, not atheism, not pantheism, not agnosticism that in our day and in this land is likely to quench the light of the gospel. It is a proud, sensuous, selfish, luxurious, church-going, hollow-hearted prosperity. Francis then made reference to the parable of the sower and repeatedly warned us. He repeatedly cautioned us by saying, do not assume you are good soil. Do not assume you are good soil. Uh, again, for those of you who may be unfamiliar with the parable of the sower, what he means by good soil um, that parable is found in the Gospels of Mark chapter 4 and in Matthew chapter 13. So write those down and take time uh, to read those chapters as soon as you can if you're unfamiliar with the teaching. Again, that's Mark chapter 4 and Matthew chapter 13. If you don't have a Bible, I do want to recommend a really great Bible app called the Version app. It's spelled Y-O-U version, V-E-R-S-I-O-N. And that's a free app. It has a lot of different Bible translations. It also has a lot of free Bible reading plans. And it has another cool feature that will like read the Bible audibly to you if you like to listen to the Bible being read. Sometimes I lay in bed and listen to the Bible in my headphones at night as I'm falling asleep. Um, you know, of course, you know, be sure to get yourself a physical copy of the Bible as well. The Bible is definitely a book you want to own and tangibly interact with. Beth Moore, one of my favorite teachers, says you need a physical Bible so you can feel the weight of it, God's word to us. And I agree with that. So I do want to recommend that you get a copy of the Bible. Um, I generally read from the English Standard Version if you're curious. Uh, but there are a lot of other really great versions out there. Uh, and then again, in the meantime, you can pull the Bible up on your version app, on your smartphone or device, and do your reading there. Uh, okay, so uh, back to crazy love. Remember, I went off on that tangent because I wanted you to read the parable of the sower uh, because Francis referenced uh, that parable. And again, he repeatedly cautioned us not to assume we are good soil. He encouraged us uh, to, quote, take a searching, honest look at our lives, not who we want to be one of these days, but who we are now and how we're living today. And then Francis gave us 
a profile of the lukewarm. According to Francis, lukewarm people attend church fairly regularly. Lukewarm people give money to charity and to the church so long as it doesn't impinge on their standard of living. Lukewarm people tend to choose what is popular over what is right when they are in conflict. They desire to fit in both at church and outside the church. Lukewarm people don't really want to be saved from their sin. They want only to be saved from the penalty of their sin. In other words, lukewarm people don't really believe that this new life Jesus offers is actually better than their old sinful one. Lukewarm people are moved by stories about people who do radical things for Christ, yet they do not act. Lukewarm people rarely share their faith. Lukewarm people love God, but they don't love him with their whole heart, soul, and strength. Lukewarm people love others, but do not seek to love others as much as they love themselves. Their love is highly conditional and very selective. Lukewarm people will serve others, but there are limits as to how far they'll go or how much time, money, and energy they're willing to give. Lukewarm people think about life here on earth much more often than they think about eternity in heaven. Lukewarm people are thankful for their luxuries and comforts and rarely consider trying to give as much as possible to the poor. Lukewarm people do whatever is necessary to keep themselves from feeling too guilty. They ask, how much do I have to give instead of how much can I give? Lukewarm people are continually concerned with playing it safe. They are slaves to the God of control. Lukewarm people feel secure because they attend church, made a profession of faith at age 12, were baptized, come from a Christian family, etc. Lukewarm people do not live by faith. Their lives are structured so they never have to. And lukewarm people probably drink and maybe swear less than average. But besides that, they really aren't very different from your typical unbeliever. According to Francis Chan, those are some of the qualities we would expect to see from lukewarm Christians. These are people that go to church, people that give to church, people that even serve in the church. Some people have even been around since childhood, but they're lukewarm. At the end of his list of lukewarm characteristics, Francis does say that this is not an all-inclusive definition, nor is it intended to be used as ammunition to judge other people's salvation. Instead, in accordance with 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, Francis challenges us to examine ourselves, to examine ourselves to see whether we are in the faith. Test ourselves. On page 80 of Crazy Love, Francis wrote, We're all messed up human beings, and no one is totally immune to the behaviors described in the previous examples of a lukewarm Christian. However, there is a difference between a life that is characterized by these sorts of mentalities and habits and a life that's in the process 
of being radically transformed. So yeah, we're all probably recognizing some lukewarm tendencies in our own lives. That being said, let's not shut down to that, you know? Let's not throw up our defense mechanisms. Let's not get defensive. Let's not tune out. Let's not rationalize it away because we all recognize some things doesn't mean we don't have to address those things with the Lord. He wants to do business with us on these things. And honestly, that should excite us. Does it excite you or do you dread what God might want you to do or give up or share or cut back on? I want to go back to the three questions we asked ourselves at the beginning of this discussion. Do you believe that God is the greatest thing you can experience in the whole world? Do you believe the good news is more than just a guarantee that you'll go to heaven? And are we in love with God or just his stuff? I don't know what hit you in the reading this week. I'm sure it was different for all of us. Maybe something convicted you today as we were reading scripture or listing out some of the traits of the lukewarm. But whatever you sense God honing in on with you, I want to leave you today with some exciting news. God is the greatest thing you can experience in the whole world. The good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is more than just a ticket to heaven. And God is so much better than his stuff. In John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. That's the English Standard Version. In the New Living Translation, it reads, My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I remember years ago, I was addicted to a television show. I mean, I was addicted to this show. I just loved this show. And you know, I'm not saying you can't like a TV show, but I like this show too much, if that makes any sense. There was very little redeeming qualities about this show. It was basically a tabloid, and I would DVR it every week, watch it and re-watch it once or twice while impatiently waiting for the next week's episode to air. I loved this show. And around that time in my life, I was also really starting to grow in my faith. And I started to get really convicted specifically about this show. I remember thinking, you know, does God really care if I watch this show? It seems so specific and inconsequential in the scheme of the world, but I couldn't shake the conviction and I, that I felt, you know, to stop watching it. And you know, I did not want to stop watching it. Uh, sometimes I think our resistance to submit something to God can also be an indicator of our unhealthy attachment to it. And I definitely had an unhealthy uh, attachment to this show. I remember trying to negotiate with God. I was like, I told God, you know, I'll, I'm just going to watch it to the end of the season. And then, you know, I won't watch it next season. Uh, but the conviction wasn't appeased. You know, I still knew that God wanted me to give it to him. He did not want me to wait till the end of the season. He wanted me to give it to him. Stupid and inconsequential as it seemed to me at the time. Uh, and eventually, 
I, I just couldn't resist it anymore. Eventually, I obeyed him. And I will always remember, I think I will always remember, I remember it very clearly today, uh, the moment that I took that show off my DVR recording device. I think it was scheduled to come on that night, uh, but I determined I wasn't going to watch it or record it. Instead, that night, while it was um, playing, you know, on television, uh, I decided to go for a run. And I'm going to tell you something. I, th I think I think I'm going to remember that run for the rest of my life. I had tears streaming down my face. It was dark outside, <laughs> but I had tears streaming down my face the whole time I was running because God is better than a TV show. He is better than our comfortable lives. He's better than anything we're holding on to. I remember running that night with such a freedom and surrender to God. Our faith isn't just about feelings, but I could feel God's favor that night. I could feel his presence. And there was nothing in my life I wanted more than that. I remember praying on that run, what else do you want, Lord? What else can I give you? You tell me it's yours. There's nothing like knowing you. And I want to ask the Lord that now with the same heart I had back then. What do you want, Lord? What can I give you? Tell me it's yours. We so often believe the lie that what we have and what we want is better than what God wants to give us, but we're wrong. He promises us an abundant life. He promises us a rich and satisfying life. That's not rich meaning wealthy. That's rich meaning full. And in fact, that's the way the New International Version interprets John chapter 10, verse 10. It says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Whatever he's asking of you, he's challenging you on that because he loves you. Remember the verses we read earlier, blessed is the man whom you chasten, O Lord, and whom you teach out of your law. And another verse that said, the Lord tells those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. Therefore, be earnest and repent. He's got an abundant life for us. That's what he's calling us out into. And that should excite all of us. so much for listening. Next week, we're reading Crazy Love Chapter 5 and Out of the Bible. We're finished uh, the chapter of James now, so we'll be reading 1 John Chapter 1 this week. 1 John is actually different from the Gospel of John, just so you know. 1 John is, is toward the end of the Bible. Um, if you flip all the way to the back, the last book of the Bible is Revelation. Right before Revelation, you'll find Jude, and right before Jude, you'll find 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And We're going to be reading 1 John Chapter 1 this week. Uh, if you need to look up our reading schedule at any point, you can always pull it up under the resources section of my website, emionthehill.com. You'll find that reading schedule near uh, a picture of a big red book, which is our crazy love book, if you scroll down a little bit. You'll also find a link for the version app I mentioned earlier in the podcast, as well as some other helpful resources I like to recommend. While you're there, please be sure to sign up to receive updates when I post a new blog or podcast. I also want to ask that you connect with me on Facebook by searching Amy on the Hill. You can also find me on Instagram and Twitter under the handle Amy BX Hill. Okay, so that concludes our podcast today. Until then, 
Once again, I want to bless you with a benediction from Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 through 26. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.